following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. on the intentional foul i was asked didn't you guys just do one well this is our regular night that we do i'm sure i know who asked you that (laughs) i'm sure you do and i'm sure that guess can probably be made for the dozens of people who actually do listen and or subscribe to the podcast all you gotta say is well you know we would have done it earlier in the week if you hadn't dragged me to minnesota honey Sorry, I'm not even, not even gonna touch that one. Sorry, not gonna touch that. This is the intentional foul, Josh and Dan, back with you for another week. The playoffs are underway in the NFL. We'll talk about that. What else we got uh, coming up? There's a, a football signing, a retirement, and some people going to the NFL draft. We'll talk a little Badger football. Uh, post-Rose Bowl stuff, some college hoops and the NBA, and uh, some late-breaking baseball news that you caught uh, as well right before we came on here. So all that and more as we get into this edition of the Intentional Foul here in 2020. It is podcast number two. Never never thought I'd see it. 2020? Yeah, just in general. Just in the day that you'd be here. Never knew. Never knew. By 35, it'd probably be over. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I'm glad we've done something. So then. are the people. That's <laughs> the, the people The people are, are very excited very about Very excited. It. All right, where do you want to start? I mean, wow. Well, we might as well start with the game that neither one of us saw because we were too busy eating Chick-fil-A. Which is fine. Which, is, Could, which was way better than, than this than game. The game. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, thanks to the, uh, the guy with the laptop who was streaming with his AirPods in Chick-fil-A so he could watch football and eat at the same time because we were kind of keeping up to date both on your phone and then the guy was streaming it in there for uh, Bills Texans. And you were keeping me uh, in the know that the Bills were basically up 16 nothing, and then somehow <laughs> the Texans come back to win in overtime. Yeah, the Bills I, are going to bill. You know, yeah, that's just kind of really, it, it's just what it is. There's a lot of teams that played this weekend that you were kind of just waiting for them to show their true colors. And it's weird because this one, either team could have yes, shown. Yes, absolutely. I mean, even with the game in Houston, I would not have thought that the Texans would have completely laid an egg mm-hmm. in it. So the fact that they came back, I mean, yeah. It could have gone either way Yeah, I to mean, me going in. Yeah, I don't think either one of us have a ton to add about this game. No, I mean, it, it We didn't see it. We didn't see it. It, it kind of sounded like the Bills made some questionable decisions down the stretch. Um, you know, Josh Allen um I, I think he's a I think he's a nice young quarterback, but you know, I just don't think and and it's going to be interesting to see what happens going down the road with the Ravens, but I I'm just not convinced that you can win playoff games with quarterbacks that can't throw the ball in the end zone. It's just it, it. It just you get to a point where it just becomes really difficult, and your quarterback has to be able to make plays in the pocket, and that's kind of been Allen's problem the first two years. I mean, his running numbers are great. Um, Bill's got a good defense, but you know it comes time to you know you're down, you're you're tied or you're down late in the game, and you gotta go get a touchdown. I don't know that that's the guy to do it. Do you think now with these running quarterbacks, especially with the rise of Lamar Jackson and being a front runner um, for the MVP and Russell Wilson, we'll get to the Seahawks in a minute, minute, led his team in rushing. Is having a mobile quarterback these days more valuable in the face of all these edge rushers and really trying to collapse the pocket? Is having somebody that can get out of there going to be a little bit more top of mind when it comes to picking a quarterback? Or are they, you just going to want somebody that can sling it around so long as they're protected? I think it's a nice added bonus. I think just in general, everybody on the football field is, you know, it's like every other sport. It's just, it's faster today than it was in 1997. There's just more fast guys on defense. I mean, gone are the days of the Gilbert Browns and the Ted Washingtons that are 350 and just 
lay in the middle of the pile that kind of go around us. There aren't as many of those guys right. around, and That's even right. the big guys now, they're quicker and faster. It seems than they used to be. I don't know. I mean, I think that you've seen with a couple of the older quarterbacks that lost this weekend. I think that lack of mobility really hurt them. Um, but you know, mobile to me, I think more of like. Rodgers and Russell Wilson type of mobility where, like, I'm able to get out of the pocket and make a throw on the move. I think that is important. You know, calling designed runs for your quarterback and stuff, I I just don't think that that's going to last. I think eventually a guy, and and you probably have too, I've heard Steve Young talk about this many, many times. When he first took over for Montana, he ran all the time. Yes, he did. And then he started getting the shit kicked out of him, and he started getting concussions, and everybody's like saying to him, dude, you got to stay in the pocket. You're going to get killed. And it ended up probably shortening his career by a couple years at the concussions, end Concussions, for sure. But um, I don't know. I, I just – I think a lot of teams are looking for that, but I don't know if if that's the best trend going forward. So long as it's not too far in the run yeah. category as opposed to passing. Yeah. Like I'm fine with with Wilson. I think he I think he might have thrown for over 300, but he also ran for 45. Right. I'm good with that. Yep. Th- th- those are those are fine numbers if you wanted to find mobile quarterback or whatever. And I mean, I see it more often at the high school level where somebody's going to run a triple option. They're more apt to run rather than pass, but at the same time when I see and, and when I look on stuff like with sports, when I'm researching a team that we don't cover every week and I see their quarterback is one of their top two rushers and it's close to a running back and he's thrown for, a you know, hundreds of yards or whatever. And I'm like, how has this guy not been killed so far? Right. Because he's doing basically everything for their offense. Right. And I, I just don't think you can especially do it at the pro level. I don't think you can ask that much of anybody. Well, and, and one of the things that's going to win Lamar Jackson the MVP and that everybody in the media has been raving about is that he, he like set the quarterback rushing record and he ran for 1,000 yards. It's like, do you want your quarterback running for that much, though? I mean, I know it worked this year, but... If he's running for a thousand yards a year for the, like the next three or four years, I would be very, very surprised if that's sustainable. I, we've, you know, we've never seen it, so maybe because we haven't seen it, we're skeptical. But the guys that we have seen over the years that have been runners like Steve Young, Mike Vick, Randall Cunningham, uh, Robert Griffin, eventually these guys all seem to get to a point where they either get hurt. Or they just figure out, like, I'm only going to be in this league for five years if I keep playing this way. So, All right. Uh, we move on to the Titans of the Patriots. Um, ah, what a great one. What a good one. That was a f- we got home, what, we get home to see basically the fourth quarter yeah, of that yep. one. And I, I, I turned it on late, and Jane was on the couch, and I was howling. She's like, what's so funny? And she looked at the score, and she's like, they're losing? And yeah. I said, oh, yeah. And then they started to play the penalty game late where Belichick basically <sighs> got on camera twice and he started talking to the referee and then he, I don't know who he turned to afterwards. He just dropped two. That's fucking bullshit. And I was like, no, it's not. You think it is because it's getting done to you. Yep. You're not doing it to anybody else. Well, I guess you shouldn't have taught Mike Vrabel so well because right. he's one of your protégés. He played for you for a decade that's and he I, knows all your tricks. That's what I told Jay and I'm, she's like, why is he so mad? I said, because one of his former players is one upping them right yep, now. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's, that's I mean that's great. Um, and you and I kind of talked about it on the car ride home, and we didn't even know uh, the score. But there's just a couple of quarterbacks, and we can go through this uh, once we get done talking about the playoffs, or we can take it team by team. But um, and and I said this this morning, and I think the storyline doesn't do Tennessee any justice for winning in New England on a night game in the playoffs. The storyline isn't that the fact that the Titans won and they're moving on. The storyline is now what's next for Tom Brady. And I think that's a complete disservice to Tennessee. Sure, of course. Um, But I'm not surprised that everybody, that's what they're talking about. And and the other storyline is, oh, poor Tom Brady just didn't have any health. Stop it. You know, can can we stop with the, it's, it's the LeBron James argument. They've been doing it with LeBron James for 15 years. When he doesn't win, it's because Help. of everybody else. But when he does. But when he does win, it's because of him. Correct. And it's kind of become the same thing with Brady. Look, James White was there. Sony Michelle was there. Uh, Julian Edelman was there. 
He had his guys that he won a Super Bowl with last year, other than Gronk. He had all those guys there. They had all year to figure this out. You get to a playoff game at home, and you don't score in the second half. But again, it's it's you get these teams that can pressure the quarterback. Brady can't move. He can still throw the ball around if you give him time. It's like, you know, I look at that, it's like Ray Allen and Reggie Miller to me. Those guys could play in the NBA right now. Right they now could just they stand in the threes. corner and shoot threes. That's what they do. The problem is you got to guard somebody. You got to set screen, all the other stuff. It's kind of the same thing with Brady and, and even Breeze yesterday a little bit. When you make these guys have to play on the move, they just they can't do it anymore. And that was a problem for Brady all year. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You, you got to give props to Tennessee. I mean, that team really, once they benched Mariota and brought in Tannehill, they really took off. Um, you know, uh, they're a old school ground and pound, give it to Derrick Henry 25 times and let him smash people. Cause he's a monster and, uh, they're well coached. I don't think they're going to win at Baltimore, but. Um, I'm very I'm very happy that they were they were the team to knock out New England. Well, they just won in New England. Maybe they can win at Baltimore. We'll see. You never know. Vikings and the Saints. Uh, you and I were kind of texting before the game and during the game. Um, this was a complete shock to me. I thought Minnesota Minnesota would actually get rolled. Yeah, I didn't think they'd get. I, I expected the Saints to win. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings have proven when they have all their guys, they're really really good. And now that you've got a healthy cook and a healthy feeling, I think they said in the pregame, those guys hadn't been on the same field since week eight. Right. Well, I know Thielen missed a ton of time with that hamstring injury. And by the time he came back, then cook sat out with the shoulder thing. Right. So, I mean, I, it's one of those teams. It's kind of, they, they're almost in a way kind of like them Eli Manning giant teams where it's like, they got everything. Mm -hmm. You just question, can their quarterback not screw it up? (laughs) And Cousins played very well he yesterday. Did. You know, he didn't have the the bonehead play. And, you know, when you got Dalvin Cook running for 100 yards and two scores and your defense plays, you know, holds the Saints to, what, 20 points, that's a pretty good recipe to win on the road. And I thought for sure in the second half, fourth quarter particularly, I thought the Vikings offense just limp noodle. They did. I mean, they did. They, they got they, very conservative. And, and they were trying to play the clock. They weren't trying to turn the ball over. Maybe we can grind out a first down, whatever, put it on the shoulders of our defense. And it just, it, it reminded me a lot of the, the Mike McCarthy. Well, we got, we got a lead that we're comfortable with. So now we'll just dial it back a little bit. And I, I thought that would be their doom, but credit to Minnesota's defense. I, I thought they played really, really well, aside from Xavier Rhodes getting getting picked on a couple of times. Um, but I thought it was really, really good. I did not think um, that that fade to the left corner. That's one of my least favorite plays. I the, mean, in the, the, the last play of the yes, game? Yes, unless you have a really tall, elite guy who goes to get the ball. And I don't know that, I mean, you got a couple options there, and I'm not sure I would have picked Rudolph. Instead of Diggs or Thielen, considering those are your bigger playmakers, but he's a more physical guy, and he was more apt to it. And I thought as soon as Cousins let that ball go, I was like, there's no way they're going to have to settle for a field goal. Well, I, I in the post game, Chris Myers asked Rudolph specifically if the play was designed for him. He wouldn't answer the question. Then he interviewed Cousins, and he asked him the same thing, and Cousins really didn't answer it. He said, well, you know, they were in a cover zero, so, you know, we kind of just went with what was there. So I don't think that was the play. Okay. I think he just saw there was a mismatch there. But did you – were you surprised no flag? Were you no. surprised no replay? I was surprised at no replay. Because, I mean, this is this is exactly why you put the rule in, Correct. and this is the exact team in yep. the exact same kind of situation. Yep. In the Saints. I saw the replay, and the more I looked at it, I mean, offensive pass interference, we've seen some really bad calls where you just get a little bump or maybe you just get a little shove or a little pull and then a flag's thrown, and you're like, for that? I thought he pushed off, but I didn't think he pushed off any more than the other right. 87 or 90 pass plays in the in the game. You, so I, I mean, I, you know. You really need to create separation, and he did to a little bit, but I mean, I, I'm not sure it was full extension. I think the corner still probably could have made a play on the ball. I, I just didn't think it was that that terrible. But in that moment, 
It wouldn't have surprised me if they threw a flag, and it wouldn't have surprised me if they overturned it either. But I I didn't think it was that bad. You could kind of tell by the D-back's reaction, too, that he knew he was just beat. beat. Because he, he looked at the ref and he did the push-off thing, and then he just kind of put his head down and walked away. Like, he was begging for it, but he knew he wasn't going to get it. He mm-hmm. just got beat. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I saw a lot of people tweeting about yesterday and today was uh, why do did we hear so much about McCarthy and Rodgers and the Packers wasted Rodgers' prime the last 10 years with only one Super Bowl, but yet we haven't heard that nationally about Breeze and Sean Payton in the last decade. Manning and Dungy, there's one there. Yeah, that's true. There's one there true. so far, and his career's far from over. Right now, you got Russell and Pete Carroll with only one. So, I mean, there's a lot of company, but nothing has been made on a national level more than Rodgers and, and, and McCarthy. Well, and I think there's two reasons for that. I think, number one, I think the Packers only having gotten to one. At least Wilson got to another sure. one. Manning got to another one. Uh, it wasn't with Dungy. It was with Caldwell right. and lost. Um, but the other reason is Aaron Rodgers is better than Drew Brees. I mean, if you're boiling it down and you're looking at like the hierarchy of the all timers, Mm -hmm. I mean, they just did that NFL 100. Drew Brees was not a top 10 all time quarterback. Um, you know, if they don't pull that onside kick out of their ass in that Super Bowl against the Colts, if the Colts recover that and they lose that game, we're not talking about Drew Brees in these historical all time uh, fashion, we're we're maybe looking at him like a poor man's Dan Marino, Marino. who's just got really huge numbers, yep. but but didn't win anything. Um, if they don't win that Super Bowl, Sean Payton's not the Saints' coach. He would have got fired after Bounty Gate, no question about it. If he hadn't won a Super Bowl, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know why that not. I mean, may, maybe it's just because of of Rogers' talent level. I think so. I think that's part of it. And I think the Packers are just a bigger brand than the Saints. Probably true. I mean, think about the Saints this decade. Think of, like, take, I think, what, they win the Super Bowl in 09, I think, 08, 09, something like that. But you had the, they lose the playoffs the one year when they play Seattle when they're, like, 7-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. They blow that game. They blow the game up in Minnesota three years ago. They blow the game last year against the Rams, and yeah, they had a bad call, but they had plenty of opportunities to win. And then you choke away yesterday in a game that Minnesota played well, but that game was there to be won. I mean, Breeze fumbles on that last drive, with a, well, not the, the second to last drive with about four minutes left, where if they score a touchdown, they take the lead. And instead, they fumble, they come back, and then they have to settle for a field goal. And what the hell were they doing on that I, last drive? I don't know. I don't know. You kick a field goal, and you still have a timeout in your pocket, and you have Drew Brees? Like, that made no sense to me. to me they were taking their really sweet time. And, I I mean, I, the clock management thing is always something that's puzzled me. And, I, I mean, I go back to, to one of my earlier times that I was listening to um, Steve Zabin when he was on Bob and Brian uh, a long time ago when I was working over at the Hog, and I, I was listening to him one morning, and he said, if he's on an NFL coaching staff or if he's an owner or a general manager, he hires one guy to specialize in clock management and timeout usage and look at patterns and you know risk analysis and all that stuff, and you sit him next to the head coach on the sideline, and the coach is not allowed to do any of those decisions until he talks to that yeah, guy. I think that'd be a tough sell. Right now. That'd be a tough sell to the coach. Oh, for sure, you know? to the coach. Yeah. But if I'm an owner of GM, it's like, I can't trust you out there to make, make these decisions when it counts. Yeah. So I got somebody that knows what the hell they're doing. You just need to confer with that person before you do it. Well, and it seems like it... it a lot of times it ends up being a problem for these coaches that are trying to call plays. There's just, they have, they give themselves too, too much, much responsibility. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's 21 seconds left and they get that illegal procedure penalty or whatever it was, mm-hmm. or a false start. And they take the 10 second runoff and don't take the timeout, which didn't make if any you, sense. If you take the timeout, you can still complete a pass in the middle of the field, run up and spike, spike it, it unless you throw it 40 yards down the field, right? which you're 
probably not going to do anyway. And even if it's complete, you're not going to get up there in time. That was so, just very bizarre. No, I didn't understand. But it's it's some of these coaches with the clock. I just don't understand the big game and then the management. And you're, they're put into these situations, and they just crumble. And you even see it at the college level, where afterwards you're like, what? You're like, <laughs> Bielema? But right. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, is this something that you can't simulate? I Clearly don't know. not, because when you get into it and you're thinking on the move and then you're thinking about plays and you, there's just too much for you to handle. Yeah. And it even happens to the best coaches. Like, you've seen Belichick screw that up. So it's not unique to just, you know, the average guy, but I don't know. Well, all right, give me your, uh, give me your overtime rant. Uh, I don't. I just mean, come on. There's none. Come on. I'm tired you of it. You hate it. I hate it. It's dumb. I mean, it's you. You bring up a good point with the penalty in the fact that, okay, you let it get to overtime. You probably have plenty of chances in the game to not get it to overtime and to win. So basically, as your penalty for not closing it out, you are leaving it up to the fact that it, that it's heads or tails. Yeah. Now, somebody who's not a, as I read today, a coin flip truther would say, as well, if you don't get the ball. That's too bad because you should have had a chance to win it earlier. Well, what if a team, if you're down, then you had a chance to come back. You did everything that you could that's, that's just, I hate, just to get there. I just hate that argument, though. Well, you could have won the game, right? Well, no, the game went the way the game went. Here we, we're we here now. Right. And, okay, so now you're saying that it's all, uh, it's all up to your defense to stop the opposing team's offense or hold them to a field goal. Like, I... I just don't think it's fair. It's not fair. It's not a fair and equitable system, but I don't know what is. What I mean, do you have an idea of I what don't. you would like to see? I have no idea. I, I mean, have I'm a no solutions identify problems guy. Okay. That that's all I I'll just tell you that that sucks. I don't know how to fix it. You're smarter than I am. Go fix is, it. Is is the college way better? I don't know that it's going to fly. I like it better. I think it's more dramatic. I think you're closer to the end zone. You get first downs. At the very least, you can kick a field goal. There's just scoring. I like to see the chance for scoring. I mean, you can go the whole the whole overtime period and nobody scores mm-hmm. in, in, in the NFL because offenses and defenses are way more closely matched. I just like the, the, the drama that it puts um, in college more. Now, there's nothing more dramatic than an overtime bomb by the you know, team that gets the ball first or they hold them and then they get the ball back and then it's it's one play and it's over. That's cool. How often does that happen? Not really, I think. Um, I don't have any anything to back that up. Would it be better if, if the Saints had got the ball then after the Vikings score that touchdown? Absolutely. Or maybe in overtime you have to go for two? Fine. Something like that? Fine. I mean... I've even gone as far as like hockey. Hockey has like the they basically turn overtime into like a skills competition. Yes, bring your field goal kicker on. Whoever kicks the longest field goal wins the game. Fine, fine. I'm fine <laughs> with that because there's there's just more dramatics in there than it feels like you're starting the game over. Here's just a, a random thought I had though when I was watching that in the playoffs. Why do they even have a clock in overtime? What? Did, why? What's the point? Especially in the playoffs. What diff- why? Because there's going to be a winner. It has to be. So right. what is the point of the clock? I get the play clock, well, but why obviously. is there a game clock? There, there, it should just be zero. There doesn't need to be. Because at, at the end of that, or do they just start a new overtime Well, they period? would, but why? Why go through the whole rigmarole no, you, you, of doing you it? just keep Like, going. we're going to do what? If it goes... Another coin flip. Another, exactly. That's that's really stupid, but... So, I, I no, the, the NFL overtime, I just don't like, and, and, and the people that say you had a chance to win, whatever, so now your penalty is, you know, you're leaving it up to chance. I, I just don't think, and the people say, well, yeah, it's not supposed to be fair. Because this is why isn't it supposed to be fair? I don't know. I don't know. I just it, when I when I see overtime and we had a couple overtime games, I just don't like the approach. Um, I don't. And even if you move it back to to sudden death, whether you get a field goal, I think this is better than the old system. Where even if the if it's a field goal, which I find odd, by the way, the first team to score a touchdown or a safety, why would you include that? Yeah, that's weird. I, I was reading that, and actually Jane brought that up. She's like, why does a safety matter? And I went, I've, I guess I've never noticed that. I guess maybe because it's such a colossal screw-up 
Like you don't deserve. You don't deserve to win. That might be it. But I I thought I saw somebody today tweeted that it's the way it's set up now in football. It's like the equivalent of a baseball game goes into the tenth inning, and the road team scores in the top of the tenth, and the game's over. Right. Like the 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 home team doesn't get a chance to tie or win. Nope. It's just oh they scored first game's over. Lead off homer. You're done. You're done. Game's over. Wait a minute, what? It doesn't seem like it would make sense. I, or, yeah, somebody wins the tip-off in basketball, sinks a three-pointer, done. Done. What? Yeah. I, I don't understand. No. So, it's better than the sudden death was, yeah. but it's still not good. Yeah. That's that's all it is. And then, Seahawks and Eagles, I actually didn't watch most of that game. Uh, we went down and activated our Costco membership down in, uh-huh. down in McChesney Park. Nice. That was exciting. Saw our boy Jack Hogue down there. Oh, so did you? He wasn't watching football either. No? All no. right. Well, um, should have been reviewing game tape, I think, but <laughs> that's a story for another day. But I I didn't – I saw the Carson Wentz hit. I mean, obviously, you're going to get 40-year-old Josh McCown in there. You ain't going to win. Mm-mm. You're not. I don't care who you're playing. If it's anybody in the playoffs, if that's who you're playing – you're not Especially win. if he, you throw him in in the middle of the game. Right. If it's one thing if he's got a week to prepare, but... Right. Yeah. No, but, but, but you're I not. I thought it was a dirty hit. Did you? Yes. Okay. You, you can't dive full speed head first at the back of... At either a guy's back or the back of his head. See, now, from what I saw, and maybe I need to watch it because I haven't watched real closely... Wentz looked like he was going down and Clowney was going out down on top of him, and they were moving in succession. And, and they were almost parallel with each other. So I guess if somebody's down and you dive at them while they're down, that's different. If somebody's falling back and you're going to dive on them as they're already in motion, it's just like on a basketball court. Okay, well, but you're moving as well, so why am I not supposed to do anything? No, I get so, it. So that, that's my interpretation, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I, I just also I, think that all these things are just too soft. I thought that, you know... Obviously, he didn't slide. Wentz didn't. He kind of went down head first, but he was giving himself up. And that's what the officials said. And I think I think part of the problem, it just goes back to just the nature of football. It's for 99% of those guys out there, it's just Hulk smash. And they don't even think. They're just Hulk smash, got a hit, got a hit, got a hit hard, and they go do it. Go break down, uh, head head up, butt down. So yeah, they're not thinking about that. You think that. anybody does that? No. No, they, they want to put your ass on the ground. Now, I will say two things. Number one, I guarantee you that the referees going into the game on Sunday against the Packers are going to be looking for anything they can do to protect Aaron Rodgers. Guaranteed. You don't think that's the same for Russell Wilson? No. Okay. Because I think the Packers will send in game film that will that will show cuz that's what all these teams do. They'll say, "Look at these seven things that the Seahawks did that were dirty in the Eagle game. You can't let that happen this week." So you're already saying that that the officials are going to be hawking a for little sure. bit more they'll against have their eye, Seattle. They'll have their eye on Clowney, okay. for sure. All right. And the second thing is, if I was Clowney or any defensive player in football, I'd do the same goddamn thing every playoff game. I would take a cheap shot at the quarterback, and I would try to knock them out of the game because once you get that quarterback out of the game, you win. win. You win. If they knock, if somebody takes a shot at Rodgers or Wilson on the other side and knocks them out Sunday, they're done. I don't even know who Seattle's backup is, and who is it for the Packers? That Boyle dude? It's Tim Boyle. No prayer. No prayer it's worth the 15 yards and it's worth the 40 50k that all your teammates are going to chip in and pay for anyway what i mean if, really what 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 if they deem it egregious enough for you get to, to get ejected okay it's the old it's like the old thing in basketball where you take your shittiest guy and you put him on shack and you just pinch him you pinch him you pinch him <laughs> and you hope that he just turns around and slugs your guy and you both get tossed and you win it's a, you know what I'm saying like that's a horrible it, it, way to play but dude, no, yeah, I know it's it's it's, it, it's it's old school football it's winning I remember right. seeing many things about those 85 Bears that legendary team and they basically said yeah we tried to kill the quarterback so we could get to the backup and we knew we would win because he'd be shitting his pants pretty easy formula <laughs> I don't I don't blame anybody that would do that it's right. it is it's a dirty way to win. But you know what? At the end of the day, nobody will remember that in 10 years. They'll just remember who won. Right. No, that's true. You know? That's true. But I thought it was a little unfair today. Some of the criticism I heard of Wentz, where it was, oh, Carson Wentz, hurt again, can't can't make it through the playoffs again. And it's like, you know, if 
if it was Jay Cutler-esque, where he got a boo-boo and he's walking around on the sidelines for the second half, that's different. The dude got a concussion. I mean, I don't think you can fake a concussion to, like, say you have one. Right. I don't think you would ever want to do that. So to criticize a dude for getting hit in the back of the head, I just think that's kind of unfair. Well, and especially nowadays where they take your oh, helmet yeah. away from yeah. you. Like, I want to go it's back It's not in. your choice. No, it's not. Right. They will say you are not returning to Unless the you're Edelman. Because Edelman's had a thousand of them, and he never sits out. That's so. probably well. Seattle did just enough in that game to win. Wilson led, as I mentioned earlier, both passing and rushing yards. So they move on. Um, so now the division around in Saturday, you've got the uh, the Vikings at the Forty ers which you think Minnesota's going to go there and win? I think they got a very good chance. I do. I I have this sneaking suspicion that we're going to see round three in Lambeau uh, oh, in two weeks. That scares the shit. It, it out of should. Me. It should because. That team's good, and it's hard to beat somebody three times. Mm-hmm. Tennessee at Baltimore is is the night game. That's who, a, who 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 scheduled that? I guess eight fifteen start time Eastern. I mean, yeah, that's late. That is, but I mean, that's it, the kind of stuff that just pisses my dad off. I guess it was the same thing for the Patriots. He's like, I'll see a fucking quarter. <laughs> it's not like, well, his fault. I just gotta fall asleep. You know, drink some soda, old man. <laughs> Sunday, you've got the uh, Texans at the Chiefs. That's a 2 o'clock start time, followed by the uh, Seahawks and the Packers, which they are really wanting that primetime Sunday Have audience. you seen any weather predictions for Sunday? I have not. Have you? No. Okay. No. I- I'm assuming it's not going to be butt-ass cold because it's not really cold anywhere. I mean, it's 30s, 40s, so that's not, not bad. No, it's not much. Um but I, I was just surprised. Before we get to the other news, I just want to just piggyback off the uh, the the playoff games, just the conversation that you and I were having on Saturday night coming home after our game. So now you've got two of the best quarterbacks um, in the last two decades that are now without contracts in Brady and Breeze. And I guess our our discussion was, where do they end up? Do they retire? Brady wants to play until he's 45. That's two more years. Breeze, he's proven, can still play. Do these teams want to move on? Do they bring him back for a couple? Or does somebody like you had mentioned in the car swoop in and say, we'll get you for two years, $45, $50 million. We just need you to, to keep us afloat and help us out. We're going to draft a guy, you know, we, we don't want to go in the shitter, but we've got this guy, we need your help. And we want to win some games along the way. And I guess my question to that was, do these guys really care that much about money in these in, in, the, in these stages in their career? Or do they want to go somewhere where they can win and not get the shit kicked out of them? Well, I think, I think unfortunately, I think they all care about money because it, it's, it's an ego thing. It's, I don't know that it's necessarily about the actual money, it's like if if you're Brady and you're playing for 20 million and you look at Cousins is making 32 million or whatever that doesn't seem right. You know what I'm saying? Like okay. I think they just want to be compensated fairly. I don't I would be shocked if Drew Brees is not the Saints quarterback next year. I mean I know they they went out and they they traded for Bridgewater. I think somebody's going to give Bridgewater starter money this offseason. Um, and you're probably going to lose him, uh, but I, I, you know, Drew Brees means so much to that community that I think that the Saints would have a hard time seeing him play for another organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Brady, on the other hand, I I still think he'll be back in New England, but you know, there's a couple teams out there, and the one that pops into my head immediately is the Chargers where you look around at the skill position guys. Because I think if Brady's going to leave, he's going to go somewhere where he it's a plug-and-play. We're like, I can join this team right now, and we are Super Bowl contenders. You had said something you had heard about maybe Carolina for him. I think you. I think it was you. Somebody, I, somebody said something about him going to Carolina. Okay. Giselle Bundchen is not living in Carolina. <laughs> and Tom, going to Hill, Ned. Come and, on. And Tom Brady is not going to go play for... A coach that I don't even I don't even know if they've hired a coach yet. I think they have. Or they're and he's not going to go play for a team that what they win like six games. I mean, even with Cam, a healthy Cam, what are they a nine win team? There's no there's no guarantee that he's going to be back either. 
Well, right, I know, but I'm just saying, Carolina's not really a, a place that I see Brady wanting to end his career. Mm-hmm. If he's going to go somewhere, you go to L.A., you pull a LeBron, you already got a house out there, your wife probably likes it out there. Um, have a new that's, stadium. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that I could see, but I don't know, man. Right. Uh, Robert Kraft and him are pretty tight. That's what I would think, but I don't know. Uh, all right, before we move on to the uh, the coaching news, Sunday in Green Bay, Snow showers in the morning, highs in the upper 20s. Mm, okay, so, well, that could be interesting. There you go. Um, speaking of Green Bay, former uh, head coach Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Shocker to you? Um, yeah, only because I thought that somebody else would have hired him first. I think it's a great hire for Dallas. I, I absolutely think it's a great hire. Okay. Um, I think that a lot of the things that Packer fans and Packer fans right now – they don't have any perspective on McCarthy because it's like breaking up with your girlfriend. It's, you're, you're just too close to it. Um, I think that he has proven that when he is given talent, he can coach him up. Um, if you're basing your McCarthy, um, I don't know, rating or, or whatever on the last four years, well, the talent for Green Bay has sucked for the most part. I mean, if... You had given McCarthy this defense the last couple of years. They aren't at home for the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. Um, you've got Dak, a, a young, moldable, good but not great quarterback. You've got a guy in Ezekiel Elliott who's the kind of player that McCarthy has never had. I heard Cowherd say something today about McCarthy never was like top 13 in rushing attempts ever as a Packer coach. Well, but... Who was he? Who did he have? And not only that, you didn't have to run that well, much, right? You had Farvin Rogers, right. so I don't know that that really tells the true tale. Um, you know, if they bring Amari Cooper back or not, we'll see. That defense is pretty good. It's not great, but it's pretty good. Um, I think it's a good hire. I think it's going to boil down to Jerry Jones as usual. You know, how much does he allow McCarthy to coach the team without undermining him and? I would bet ne- if if next year if Dallas went thirteen and three, playing a second place schedule in a division with two garbage teams, if they won twelve or thirteen games and was a top two seed next year, I would not be surprised in the least. Year two is when that it'll come home to roost. When when you start playing tougher teams, when if you don't win the Super Bowl, right. In your first year, and you underachieve or whatever in Jerry's eyes, and he starts having these press conferences where he's starting to question things, that's when it might get a little hairy. But on the surface, I think it's a pretty good hire. couple things that I thought were interesting. One right off the bat is that he stayed at his house. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Well, I mean, but think about how friggin' it's probably like staying at the friggin' some kind of a the J.R. Ewing Manor on the old <laughs> Dallas show. You're at his house, but you don't even see each other. Right. You know what I mean? I just thought that I, I, I want details of what happened. It's like, I would when, love... it's like Cato used to stay at O.J.'s right. house. I, you know? I would love a running diary of what they did, what they ate, <laughs> and what, whether there was a movie room or did you go and throw the Frisbee for the dog out in the acreage or whatever. So I, I want to know more about that. I saw an interesting thing that, that Homer from um, from over in Milwaukee said that I I thought was was pretty interesting because if you look at the Packers' numbers this year and their offensive numbers, particularly Rodgers, and they're almost identical from from this year from from last year to this year. And his point was that proves that McCarthy wasn't necessarily the problem, and the guy could actually coach. They're almost identical, and Aaron Jones had a monster, monster year. So maybe McCarthy was a lot better than Packers fans gave him credit for, myself included. And now you've gone from a situation where in the last few years for, for McCarthy before Goody took over, he was probably wanting help, and he would probably ask for help. Well, and I was going to bring this up to you because I think you tweeted something yesterday about Taysom Hill. Yeah. And you said, it's unfortunate that McCarthy couldn't find a way to use Taysom Hill the same way the Saints do. I don't think he had the opportunity. You, you, I think Ted Thompson you, you think caught it. Was it. Ted. Okay. Yes, because... Why would we think otherwise? What what kind of roster control well, did McCarthy ever have? Probably that that's a good point. Maybe McCarthy did go to him and said, we can use Maybe, this guy. Yeah. And Ted's going to go, he's a quarterback. You're not keeping him because you got this other guy, so I got to get rid of him for somebody sure. else. Yep. So that, okay, fair point. Um, but now you've got a guy who, uh, 
for McCarthy in his situation where with the last couple of years of Thompson, who was very rigid in his approach to the draft and free agency, and no matter how maybe McCarthy would have wanted some talent, Ted wasn't going to do anything about it or listen to him when he said, we need a playmaker at this position or whatever. Now you, I bet if you go to a guy like Jerry Jones and say, we need a guy at this position, whatever, that's the kind of thing to me that you say to Jerry Jones and he gets kind of excited about. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe we should look at that. But at the same token, maybe McCarthy won't like the fact that Jones will like, I think we're going to pay a boatload of money for this guy and you're going to be able to use him. And McCarthy might go, I don't want anything to do with that fucking guy. Absolutely not. So I think there's a little bit of dichotomy there that, I will be anxious to see how that turns out and whether a lot of it comes to light, which more than likely it does in Dallas more so than Green Bay. Well, for the first time, he's going to be working for somebody that has no problem with an open checkbook. You know, the Packers are notorious in not spending a lot of money, and Dallas, they don't give a shit. Um, If you're talented and you can play, if you have got a record... If you've got addiction problems, if you're super expensive, it doesn't matter. They'll give you a shot. Especially um, if you can help win games. Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting today. I saw Tremont Williams and I think uh, one of the Packer linemen came out and said really nice things about McCarthy and were very happy for him and said he deserved it. A lot of people have. And I saw Randall Cobb said some very nice things and, and was hopeful that he would be back to be able to work with McCarthy again. So. You know, it goes back to the the Lafleur Rogers thing this summer, and the 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 guys didn't like McCarthy, and he couldn't relate last year. Like, I think so much of this stuff is bullshit. I think it's a smokescreen to cover somebody else's ass. I think if you polled most of the guys in the locker room last year, they probably most of them liked McCarthy and thought he was a good guy and a pretty good coach. Did him and Rogers run their course after working together for a decade? Sure. I think that happens in a lot of jobs. So that's not too surprising, but I think he's going to do well. Um, I think that it's going to be a little bit of a culture shock working for Jerry Jones, but I think that working for and and being in a fan base like Green Bay and now going down to Dallas, I don't think that's going to be anything new for him. It's it's pretty fanatical. So All right. Uh Kyle Long retired today. I was really surprised to learn it was only 7 years. Did he been in the league? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was well, more. He, he was 31. He came in. He was old when he came in. Mm-hmm. He was old. He had some he bounced around a little bit, but yeah, it's too bad. Good guy, good player when healthy, but Last he, couple of years, yeah, he just could not stay healthy. No, just couldn't stay. On I mean, the field. I I remember the one of the years. It wasn't this past off season. It might have been the off season before, where he said he was having like three surgeries almost at once to fix yeah. so many major problems, yeah. just so he could get back on the field. I'm like, if you need all three of those at once, your body is not doing very you know, well. Look, he he signed a big deal a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. so he got his money. He comes from a a good family that, that's made a lot of money themselves, so he's well set up. I won't be surprised at all if he's working in the media here shortly. He's a pretty talkative, well-spoken guy. So um, sad to see him go. He was, you know, one of the longer tenured Bears, but you know, okay. Oh well. And then uh, the announcement came today that Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama is entering the draft, and I know a lot of Dolphins fans who are really excited about that, especially guys that I used to work with down at ESPN West Palm. They all want him to go to Miami. I, I will freely admit I didn't watch a lot of Alabama football the last couple of years, Same. but, I mean, I, I don't think he's anything that special. That's what I kind of think, too. Yeah, just, but, a, just a guy. Yep. All right. Well, that's good. almost a good 45 minutes of NFL talk. Um, just briefly, some guys that, that could be going to the pros for the Badgers. Uh, no surprise that Jonathan Taylor said he's leaving. I think that's a wise choice, and... I, I guess looking at his career, and I read this today, and I was in complete agreement. One of the things that was really surprising about Taylor is that he got so many carries as a freshman when I don't think he was counted on uh, carrying the ball that much. And over the course of three years, dude wasn't hurt. Right. He was always healthy. Yeah. And he touched the ball a shit ton for that offense, especially in the last couple of years out of the backfield, catching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that's a real big testament uh, to him, but the downside is that he coughed it up. He does fumble quite a bit. Yep, that's his that's his uh, red flag for certain going into the draft. Um, and I'm not surprised Quintez Cephas. I think he was just really capturing 
all, all and piggybacking on the momentum that he had since he came back. I mean, he had a phenomenal year for as short as it was. Yeah, I think that you know he probably talked to some people, and it was it was time to get out of Madison. He he came back this year to kind of reestablish that he was a good player, and he did that. Um, I don't know where he's ranked among the no, wideouts for the draft. He'll get picked somewhere. It doesn't really probably matter as much. Uh, but he need, it was time for him to move on. You don't know, you know, you don't know what kind of reception he truly got around town. Right. Um, and frankly, I mean, do you want to be overthrown and underthrown by Jack Cohen again for twelve games? Because I don't think that would be that fun without Jonathan Taylor yeah. to take some of the pressure. I, 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 I don't think that would be that fun. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, less than twenty four hours after Taylor uh, says he's gone in the uh, in the Army All American Bowl, you had the the four star running back from New Jersey. Did did one equal the other? Do you think? I think from what I read today. It was widely thought that this kid from New Jersey was going to Rutgers. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he wasn't. Uh, do you think it had to do with once Taylor's wasn't coming back that he looked at it and went, ooh, maybe well, I can play right well, away? Well, that was, I mean, they didn't recruit a running back in this class before that. Um, and kind of you've got, as we were talking in the car, you've got pretty much, this is kind of up in the air. I mean, I don't, I think Groshik is going to be a senior and you've got uh, Nakia Watson, you've got Isaac Garendo who got carries um, in the bowl game for whatever reason. And then you've got this Davis kid from Menominee Falls. So, I mean, nothing's established. Right. Maybe this dude can come in and completely wow everybody. And then Groshik is going to be named the starter anyway. <laughs> Your boy. That's you love him. Gonna drive, Ever since that state tournament game, you've been in love. Drive me nuts. <laughs> so, But nevertheless, a good get for the Badgers. And I saw all the schools that offered him. And that's a pretty good get for for the Badgers, and this is the, this makes them bar none their best recruiting class in school history. Um, they got seven four star guys, which is unheard of for them. And and the, I mean, it, but it's standard. You got a stud running back, and you got a bunch of stud offensive linemen, couple from Wisconsin, um, and that's that's the bread and butter for Madison. So, all right, uh, move on to college hoops uh, and and the Badgers. Yeah, not not a lot to get into with with basketball. We, you know, doing the podcast what we did on Thursday. Not not a lot went on, but uh, a good weekend for Bucky and Marquette, both with uh, a couple of really big top ten victories. The Badgers won Friday night on the road at number five Ohio State, um, fourth win in a row, undefeated since Micah Potter has joined the team. I'm not sure there's a lot of correlation there, sure. but you know we can say that. Um, yeah, you know, it was a it was a pretty ugly game especially in the first half. The Badgers didn't score a point for like the first 6 minutes. Um Ohio State couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, so I think they were only up like 7 to nothing. They really couldn't extend the lead. Um you know, Badgers uh made a couple of nice runs, were able to uh get out in front at the end of the game and and hang on. Um some whining from the Ohio State coach after the game about a lack of calls, some grabbing and holding, and you and I talked about it a little bit the other night. You know, it's just one of those things. The Badgers grab and hold every game. It's just what they do, and you know it, I know it, the refs know it, your players should know it. You just got to play through it. Um, You know, certain teams get away with certain things, and, yeah, when you're cutting in the lane, they're going to bump you, and sometimes they're going to call it, and sometimes they're not, and that night they didn't, and you didn't adjust. You got beat. Um, so they got uh, Illinois Wednesday night, which I was really surprised. 37 points they held Purdue to? That shocked me. Yeah. That shocked me because Purdue's a pretty good team. I've seen them play a couple times. They're a pretty good team. Granted, it's on the road, but it's not like you're playing Virginia. Right. And then uh, Saturday at Penn State. I, th- they're ranked in the top twenty. Like, what the did the Crispin brothers just find some eligible? Like, who the hell is on this team? I don't know. I don't know. I found that out. I was talking to our our buddy Joe Robinson. He used to work for the Badgers, and I said the the unfortunate thing about Penn State being in the top twenty is that nobody will see their games because nobody goes to those things. Really? Oh, every I'm, time I've I'm, watched a Penn State game, there's just nobody in the stands. That's too bad. Yeah, considering it's a it's a D one Big Ten school. Yeah. Maybe they'll maybe they'll fair weather it and they'll go this people year because they're good. But people are tired of going to football, so they just need a, a couple yeah. of months off. At least or it's something. inside, right? I don't know, right. Um, I, so they're they're out with bracketology already. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've had a few. Um, okay. The most recent one was from uh, January third. They had the Badgers as an eleven in the play-in game. Obviously, it's that's you know, probably two months yeah. 
too early to worry about it, but just kind of gives you an idea of where right. where they're at. Um, Marquette with a big home win against Villanova. They were on fire in the first half. Couldn't make anything in the second half, but were up enough that they could kind of hang on and, and win the game. Um, they've had Villanova's number at home the last couple of years. They've been able to knock them off. This isn't your your typical star-studded Villanova team, but still top 10 team. They're, they're very good, very well coached as usual. Um, but Marquette really needed that. They did not want to start out 0-2 in the, in the conference. That's, that's usually a tough hole to climb out of. Um, they got Providence at home tomorrow. And uh, at Seton Hall on Saturday, which it's always a tough game. It's been a house there. of horrors yeah. for them. Um, Seton, Seton Hall's good. They were top ten preseason. They had a ton of injuries early on, and it knocked them out. They're they're definitely a top twenty team. I I I think if Marquette split this week, I'd be pretty happy with that. Okay. Um, but you know, they finally got some contributions from Kobe McEwen and Theo John. Um, McEwen, I think I think Brian Anderson who did the game the other night. Uh, the other day said he was like nine for his last 50 from the floor. McEwen was going into that game. Um, And he had played really well early in the season. He was one of the few guys that played really well against the Badgers. Um, So getting him back and scoring takes so much pressure off Marcus Howard. And then Theo John, their big guy. I mean, he either usually has a really good game or he has two fouls in the first minute of the game. (laughs) And when he can stay on the floor, he doesn't even really need to do that much. Just kind of being out there and being a little bit of a rim protector really, really helps Marquette. So it was nice to All see right. that. And and right now the bracketology has currently got them as an eight seed. So All right. College hoops this week. The Bucks start a four-game uh, West Coast road trip. It's Western Conference road trip because San Antonio is nowhere uh, near that side of the country. But second time in, in th- three days that the Bucks are playing the Spurs. Uh, that game is tonight, 7.30, I think. Mm-hmm. And they had six players in double figures in the win on Saturday at the Fiserv. I think Giannis had 32, Yep, something like yep. that. And I think Middleton and... Uh, was it Bledsoe? They both were in the twenties. Bledsoe played very well. Yeah. yeah, first his best game coming back from the injury for sure. Um, yeah, Bucks are still first in the East, thirty-two and five. They're five games ahead of Boston, who's in the two spot right now, which is a hell of a cushion. Um, but yeah, like you said, you got the Spurs tonight, Wednesday at Golden State, Friday at Sacramento, and Saturday at Portland. So four game week, four winnable games. Um, I think Wednesday night is on. Uh, I think that's national TV. I think Probably that's on ESPN. Be. Have they stopped? They haven't stopped scheduling Golden State for nationals, no, even though they, they haven't won ten games yet. Probably will the second half of the season if they can. But the NBA is not as flexible as football okay. is for whatever reason. Um, so not a lot. Not a lot to get into with the Bucks, like we said. But uh, trade deadline is about a month away. You were talking about this on the car on the way home on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I. I it's it's one of those things. I I feel like there's a move to be made for the Bucks. I just don't know what it is, and I don't know how you justify making trades on a team that's thirty two and five right now. Right, you we know? need to get better. Yeah, what? do you really want to screw with your 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 chemistry? I mean, I I I look at this team and I I think they're they could use one more playmaker. But I think to do that, you you would have to give up a DiVincenzo, a DJ Wilson, the draft pick you got from Indiana, and the Brogdon trade. And I just don't know who's out there that you could go get that's really that's better than those guys. Um, so I don't know. We'll 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 see what happens. Um, just a couple things around the league. Sounds like Blake Griffin's probably done for the year. Going to have to have had to go see another specialist. Man. Might have another it's knee enough, surgery. Another guy. It's crazy, man. He's only thirty years old, oh. and I mean, when he was healthy in his mid twenties, he was an absolute force. But he just can't stay on the court. He just has these nagging injuries. I think he's a little. I think there's a little bit of softness there, um, but. If he's got to have surgery, you got to have surgery. Right. Um, Kevin Love had a complete fucking meltdown the other night. I saw the just, where he whipped oh, the ball at that kid. You can tell he's just had it with some of these young guys on the team. They're not winning. They got and a I first love that year he coach. Whips the ball at him, and then the dude just shoots up just an absolutely horrendous shot. Yeah, uh, here you go. You want to shoot it? Take that, a- idiot. Apparently, he was caught screaming at the general manager a I couple heard, of days ago. So I would not be surprised to see him. 
on the trade block. I'm not sure he's tradable right now because he makes a ton of money, um, and he's kind of a kind of a role player now as opposed to what he was in Minnesota. But um, look for look for him to maybe be on the move. And in Philadelphia, after all their cocking off for beating the Bucks on Christmas Day, have lost four straight games. Um, hopefully that goes to five tonight. They play uh, Oklahoma City tonight. Mm. But um, that's a team that they kind of remind me a little bit of last year's Boston where they had all this talent, but it just didn't seem like they fit, and there was a lot of turmoil in the locker room. Sounds like there's a little bit of uh, headbutting with Simmons and Embiid right now, um, which really just brings a smile to my face because I hate <laughs> I hate all things Philadelphia, and that team is a threat to the Bucks. So any anything that can kind of distract them um, is is a good thing. So okay. I'm down with that. All right, baseball news. We have 37 days as we count right now until pitchers and catchers report. Wow. And um, that ain't long. Well, and it's weird because in the morning when I'm prepping sports, um, you know, I look for all the local stuff and the sites and and see what I can, you know, report from them uh, and whatever. And then I go to all the separate sports tabs that ESPN has at the top to see if there are any headlines worth mentioning. And when I click on Major League Baseball, immediately spring training games pop up on on the scale, on the scoreboard up top. And first one right on there is Brewers and Rangers on February twenty second. I was like, wow! And that and that That's, just said that seem early. And that just started Ooh. last week. And I was like, fuck already. I know. But you're then, bar- you're barely out of the Super Bowl right. when that gets going. We're right into XFL season, I think. All right, oh, let's <laughs> home of Jameis Winston. Yeah. Well, hey, why not? Um. <laughs> So, yeah, Brewers and Pitchers and Catchers report on the 12th, and then I think position players come in on the 17th or something like that. And something if um, something happened today with, with the Brewers, which which you caught right, yeah. right when I got here. Uh, Eric Tame signed with the, with the uh, World Series champion Nationals, one year, $4 million, uh, which was uh, when I saw the figure was a little head-scratching because it's $3 million less then he would have been owed by the Brewers. Mm-hmm. And it's a million dollars less than what the Brewers ended up signing uh, Justin Smoke for. Okay. So, you know, I don't know if that's just as simple as the Brewers think Smoke's better or was was Thames holding out and hoping for a multi-year deal that he didn't get? Was Smoke willing to sign a shorter-term deal earlier I you know I don't know any of that. We're obviously we're not privy to those conversations, but um, yeah, I, I, I was I'm sad to see Thames go. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if it was the right decision. I know one thing that um, if Justin Smoke can't go on the Korean version of American Idol, then he can fuck right off. So because I mean that's all I care about with my first baseman is Kenny Singh. I just want to see him in a in a little wife beater tank top yeah. in the tunnel. The black the black beater. Yeah, and why have him walk by and we both our jaws drop because he's full of bumps everywhere. Oh man. That dude was one of the most cut guys I have ever seen in person. Yes. From a professional athlete. Yeah, we were probably what, ten feet or so away from him. Probably less. Down in the clubhouse area. Yeah. And uh yeah, he's a big dude. He's not a tall dude. No, he's, but he's, a, he's a ripped dude, though. He is absolutely ripped. He's one of those guys that if you got in a wrestling match with him, you got no shot. Right, or if you're going to get in a fight, that's the dude you probably want on your side because yes. he could squeeze people's heads off at the neck. For sure. Just put them in your bicep, and it, you just they just pop right off. So 37 days left. Still yep. don't have a third baseman. Um, Sounds like Josh Donaldson is, is going to get about a $100 million deal, so okay. he's out of the question. Um, not sure what they're going to do there. It's going to be kind of a wait and see approach, but all right, I don't know. You want to? I I was I I didn't know whether to mention this or not, but I thought it was pertinent because you and I call quite a few high school games, and we've seen um a lot go on and not go on in the last couple of years. And you obviously had a lot of experience playing, and just the stark contrast to how teams either are coached, assembled, or the way that they play or don't play with each other. And camaraderie, I guess, is a way to put it um, on teams. And I thought something was very easily identifiable that you had brought up when we called Parker and Madison East uh, up there um, in that little gym on Saturday night. 
you had pointed out to me, look at East State team, couple of D1 players, and then you jumped in and you said, and they all got the same shoes. Yeah. But that, to me, is is a microcosm of one of the things that is going on in sports, particularly at the high school level nowadays, because of the glorification of of individuals at higher levels. And that is the look at me. I'm an individual in a team sport. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a lot of the teams don't have it, I mean, I, I only played as high as freshman organized basketball, and that was it. But I can remember B. Altman coming in with, with Dave Figgy, and those were the two guys at Craig, and they said, here is going to be our team shoes, this one or that one. And there were two different models. Both were mostly white with a little bit of blue. And they said, we don't care which one, but these are what we're going to wear. And... Uh, and they were, you know, at a vastly discounted rate or whatever. But you look at that now compared to where we are, and it's just one of those things where guys want to wear what they want to wear and they don't care how it doesn't make them look like a team. And it might seem small, but I think it also sends a little bit of a message, don't you? It's a culture thing. Um, I think that when a coach lets that stuff slide, I think it allows kids to think they're going to let bigger stuff slide. And then when they don't, that's when you get the player-coach conflict. And, you know, we've seen over the last four or five years doing these games, it seems like a lot of these teams were seeing smaller and smaller rosters. Um, guys are not will. Guys and girls are not willing to... Uh, be a part of the team. It's one of those things I always laugh at when you hear a player say, well, I just want to win. Do you you just want to win or do you want to be the reason why you win? There's a big difference there. Um, Madison East, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're purple and gold are their colors. All the kids had on gold shoes. Ugly as sin. Yes, they were. But they were uniformity. When, when we were at Craig, um, yes, we, we had the team shoe option that we could order at a discounted rate from whether it was Nike or whoever the brand was. But um, Coach Suter always gave us the option. We could wear whatever shoe we wanted in terms of brand or type of shoe, um, but it needed to be blue and white because our colors were blue and white. You know, we see kids on Parker who are green and gold, one kid's got purple shoes, one hot kid's pink. got hot pink shoes. Rainbow. Um, we saw a kid in the JV game who had one black shoe and one white. Like, if you wear one black shoe and one white shoe, all you're doing is trying to get somebody to notice you. And I'm old school. I'll admit it. You know how to get noticed? Kick somebody's ass. That's how you get noticed. And, and let's be clear, we're not picking on Parker. That's no, no, no. Jet, Craig's that's, got a kid that wears the ugliest red-ass shoes <laughs> with a blue and white. I, I don't even know how to describe it other than it's like he's wearing the sun on his feet. They're <laughs> awful. They're awful. But the coaches in, in yeah, we're not just picking on Craig and Parker because we see it at a lot of, a lot of different schools. Mm-hmm. The coaches are letting it slide for what I can only deem as, I just don't want to deal with it. I got enough to deal with. I'm not going to pick that fight. But, you know, I took I took a lot of coaching classes with, with uh, Dave Vandermeulen when I was in college at Whitewater. I spent years around Coach Suter from the time I was a little kid all the way through high school. I worked his camps. I played for him for three years. There's something to be said about developing a, a culture and a certain way of doing things, whether it's a team shoe, we whether it was we used to wear khakis in a sport coat before the game and on the road. I don't care if – you don't necessarily have to dress up. Wear the same sweatsuit on the road. But, you know, when, when you've got kids that are on your team, they're on the bench, and one of them's wearing ripped jeans, and one of them's wearing a halter top on, a, on the girls' team – I just don't really understand the message that you're sending because you're trying to represent your school and your program and all the people that came before you. It just It's just not a good look, and usually those teams don't succeed. It's a weird thing, but when you see teams that come out 
and they kind of do everything the same way, and and you can tell that um, everybody's on the same page. They're usually much more successful than a team that comes out looking ragtag. And that that to me just sends the message of, of when I see and all you guys that played Craig hoops, and when I see you know how when I came into the gym, you I saw the guys wearing that blazer. Mm-hmm. You know that's. That was uniformity, and I just thought more of like, well, they they got their shit together. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes, and and the more I see the individuality, and like you said, the coach not wanting to deal with it, I, it's just like, well, what else don't you want to deal with? Look, and let me tell you, I I had a lot of friends around the Big Eight in the years that I played, and that kind of stuff intimidated people. You know, you walk into a, to Madison West or Madison East, and you're wearing. Nice clothes and a tie and a sport jacket, and everybody looks the same, and everybody's doing things the same way. That's intimidating to people. It's like, oh shit, you're right. These guys know what they're doing. They got their act together. They're well schooled, and usually that stuff translates to the field or the court. Just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, um, I think that's something that you know, one of the many high school things that we can mention along the way. We got a couple of games this week, and some people um, would say, oh, that's not a big deal. You're making a big deal out of nothing. Well. What does it hurt right now? Look, not to toot my own horn, I lost nine games in four years in high school. Seems like you did a few things I, right. I think not just me, but we. Right. Everybody kind of knew what they were doing. Yeah. So. All right. That is the intentional foul for this week. Covered a lot of ground. Spent a lot of time in the NFL. We'll see oh, who is. Before we go. Sure. We didn't even make any predictions. For the playoffs. For the playoffs. Who's winning? Who's winning this week? Who you got? Vikings, Niners? Um, San Francisco. Okay, I got the Vikes. Uh, and what's the other one? Baltimore, Tennessee. I'll go Ravens. I'll go Ravens as well. Um, I don't want to pick in the, pick in the Packer game because Texans, I'm going to doom somebody. What is it? Uh, Texans and Chiefs. 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 Yep, I'm going Chiefs. Yep. You you make a pick yep. for the Packers. I got I got twenty three thirteen Packers. Okay. Yeah. There's that. There's that. All right, that is the intentional fall. I think we ran out of music, bed, but uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you and uh, <laughs> subscribing. Uh, tell your friends as as per usual, and uh, we'll be back next week with see who's playing for the AFC and the NFC title games. I don't know um, what else. I mean, we're going to talk college hoops, college football. We're yeah. going to have we're going to have the championship. I think that night. Yes. Which reminds me, you're going to watch the Bucks, and I'm going to get home for the Lending Tree Bowl. Yeah, I was going to look and see what college basketball game was on tonight, and I turned and saw that shit was on, and I thought to myself, God, I can't wait till this is over. <laughs> Good God. Come on now, the Raging Cajuns and the Red Hawks of Miami, Ohio. Boy, there's a, there's a Let's barn go. burner. Let's go. I, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm kind of anxious for just for college football and national championship just to get here and be done. This is way too long. We can talk about that next week. How they can, because you and I talked about the scheduling and how they're completely doing it wrong. Yeah, it's done. So we uh, we will cover a lot more next week. We appreciate you listening, subscribing, uh, and again, tell your friends. I'm Josh. Dan, have a good one, and we will talk to you next time. Go Seahawks.